Hi, I'm Orla McNeilis. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And this is The Recommendation Game. And by now, you probably know what it's about, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> what do we do, Orla? Uh, so this is a weekly film podcast where uh, one of us picks a film, the other is not seen. Uh, we watch it, and then we meet and talk about it extensively. Um, <laughs> so this week's film is... Uh, chosen by Ricardo, and it is 1986 Manhunter, directed by Michael Mann, produced by Richard A. Roth, screenplay by Michael Mann, based on Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, starring William Peterson, Kim Gresht, Joan Allen, Brian Cox, Dennis Farina, Stephen Lang, and Tom Noonan. Music by Michael Rubini and The Reds. Cinematography by Dante Spinotti, and edited by Dov Honig. And the IMD synopsis is... Former FBI profiler Will Graham returns to service to pursue a deranged serial murderer named the Tooth Fairy by the media. That damn left. Um. Leftist media giving you <laughs> names. Trump care. Uh, this week's one was chosen by Ricardo. And why? Why Ricardo? Well, I thought that it was time to really tackle a muscular Hollywood film, like a, a studio system kind of... Muscular. Muscular. Um, Jesus, yeah. That that S-E sound I never was able to master. But yeah, it's a, it's a movie that I thought that would be interesting to discuss with you, particularly because it is based on uh, Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, which you have seen two incarnations of, the, yes. the movie named red dragon yeah and the version of the tv show hannibal Mm. and as well i think that it's a very interesting movie in its own context as in the 80s and the birth of the procedural yeah that uh even it's no coincidence that william peterson is in csi (laughs) yes which calls back to this movie quite a lot and yeah. they they did mention the creators that of CSI that Manhunter was one of the inspirations for the movie yeah oh. sorry for the tv show I didn't know that and um, that, he's in the original CSI isn't he yeah he's like in before Vegas one yeah, yeah before all the spinoffs and um it's a very interesting movie as well because it, it is uh, very stylistic and very 80s, but at the same time, very modern. Some of it has aged quite a bit and some of it <laughs> yes. can, like, it's a very influential movie, I feel. Mm. And it's a movie, considering that your college dissertation was on serial killers in media, <laughs> I thought that it was a, a blatant uh, blind spot in your uh, yeah. filmography or, like, not your filmography or your viewership filmography, let's say. Yeah. And I'm just curious to see what what's your take on it. So, Orla, um, what do you think of Manhunter? Okay, first of all, I just want to say, um, I think just actually to call back to your, what you said there about um, it being a blind spot for me. And it is. It's funny. I didn't even really know that this movie existed. And, I, and whenever you said the title, I thought I had seen it. And then realized that I hadn't, and then realized that this is essentially Red Dragon, but the original. But um, we'll talk later, though, about that remake. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I just want to say at the start, I feel kind of bad for this movie, because it is, like, weirdly overlooked, and when it came out, it was, like, it bombed completely, but... Um, I feel like if... Because this is, like, 1986, so this is kind of... Um, 
not the beginning but near the beginning of the the massive um explosion in popularity of like serial killer um like filmic and television representations not just in in books like um thomas's harris thomas harris's novels and everything but um i feel like if it hadn't ex- like exploded so far as it did that to the point of which then we had Silence of the Lambs and then throughout the 90s, numerous copycats. I feel like if that hadn't happened, this film would probably be looked upon more favorably than it is. But because, what, like six years later, Silence of the Lambs came out? Yeah. And, you know, even, like, forget about the 90s, even the sheer amount of procedural television that there's been and really, really good procedural television that there's been and then like just the noughties or even in the last five years that it's just kind of been tainted not tainted but overlooked and it, it's almost impossible to talk about this film without it being compared to all those other renditions of this story and like this you know universe or collection of characters and storylines or whatever like that were created by Thomas Harris and by all the other procedural like not just relating to serial killers but um yeah so I feel kind of bad for it because it is kind of destined to always be remembered within that context well within the 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 notices have been quite reappraised by critics and yeah, fans yeah that, that is true and like um I did notice that whenever I was like doing a bit of research on it that um there are an awful lot of people that are that are look like kind of it's well, it's being called a cult classic not a cult classic but a cult hit I suppose and it is being revisited by people which is good because so did you like it um okay there are things I like about it but I think there are numerous problems and I think first of all um you have to kind of start with talking about the comparisons to the original source text. And I think that's important. And I know that obviously, like, you know, you should be able to take something a separate from the book it's based on or whatever and talk about it with outside of that context. And you can, and we will later. But at the same time, talking about this and in relation to Red Dragon as well, you have to talk about the book because so much of this is lifted directly from the book. The problems that are... I find within the story of this film, I think are found within the book. So within the book, we have one character that is kind of um, moving beyond the kind of cliches of like not procedural, but serial killer killer narratives where the serial killer, this is Dolorite, basically that character is within the book we have it's like a kind of a split narrative where we're seeing it from the perspective of will graham and then seeing it from the perspective of the serial killer so the serial killer is humanized and he's given a backstory he's given a reason he's given um narrative reasoning as to why he does what he does and he's quite fleshed out uh so you have this kind of interesting especially because this is you know that book was written in the early 80s and this film came out in 1986 it's an interesting kind of moving beyond of the cliches of that genre when the genre was still in its infancy but then you have that kind of contrasted with the character of will graham who has that all-seeing genius profiler where they're all seeing kind of eye of being able to you know move like see what what the killer's seeing and so then we have the character of Hannibal Lecter who is problematic anyways when we get to that later when we're talking about um, casting and, and representations of Hannibal Lecter but um, you know basically being the kind of um, enigmatic like 
uh, like sexualized but ultimately a complete monster he's animalistic he's he's unrealistic really um so you have this this sort of like kind of cliched idea of the the kind of um very kind of individualistic idea of the killer as well and then this sort of all-seeing genius profiler contrasted with this very fleshed out character of Dolorite and I think within the book it doesn't really quite fit together and then because this film is well he they do change things but it is leaning very closely to the source material as does Red Dragon the film so it, I think like character wise and plot wise that doesn't quite work in the original and doesn't really work in this film and as well I think that the character of Dolorite uh, is one of the kind of um the problems in this film because of how the the film kind of swings to his perspective quite late into the film yeah whereas within red dragon the film um he's established much earlier and his whole relationship with um reba mclean the uh blind character is established and much more developed in red dragon now i would just like to say red dragon the film is not a better film than this. I am in no way saying that. It's a terrible movie. This is a much better film, but it handles certain aspects of the characters more effectively. You want to hear uh, a very uh, weird bit of trivia about Red Dragon in this movie? absolutely. They share the same cinematographer. Do they? Yeah. uh, Dante Spinotti. This um, Red Dragon also shares the same screenwriter as Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, but uh, that that would be the. Um, I think it's because they were, were all produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that makes sense. This is obviously very Hollywoodized. It's a Hollywoodized version of the procedural of the serial killer film of various other things, but um, never at any point because of the all-seeing genius of the Will Graham character. Uh, you you never at any point feel like they're not going to solve this mystery. You know, like yeah, a, but like that's uh, the same with any great mystery movie that I've seen. Uh, for not one second did I think that in any Sherlock episode that he's not going <laughs> to solve the, the the mystery. Or if I'm yeah, going to go to, I mean, to be fair, Sherlock is much more entertaining along the way than this movie is. But uh, <laughs> like on any mystery movie, really. I, okay, yeah, it's the yeah. same as any. I kind of, criminal agree, I kind movie. of agree with you, but. Uh, like I read a lot about this film that it, it's uneasy. It, you know, this, this his creating this idea of unease, when the, and I didn't feel uneasy for one second watching this, and found an awful lot of the procedural, and as a person who loves procedural, really quite boring. Like uh, even though I knew the story, how they put it together should be more interesting than like how they put the case together should always be more interesting than ultimately he was the killer or ultimately you know the showdown of when they find him and in this movie it's not and so even there's just there's no fear in this film like the, the like the <laughs> the character Ricardo was shaking his head the character of like the killer I I feel no fear I feel no fear for the the families that are at risk i feel it's just this film never grabbed me and i like as much as i say that um it's a problem with the source material at the same time thomas harris has the ability to be gripping you know he's a good writer he's creating an interesting world that is you know 
a fascinating to be in and I love Silence of the Lambs and I think that is a film that is like absolutely creepy absolutely uneasy you feel the fear within that film and I didn't really feel it in this at all I categorically categorically disagree with you Uh, I don't know if it is a better movie than Silence of the Lambs but I like it more than Silence of the Lambs uh, I think it it is a very interesting piece of like within its context as well. It's interesting to see it back to back with Heat. I yeah. actually sat down to watch Heat afterwards because it's like Michael Mann. Um, <laughs> that it's almost like a precursor run about having the mirror characters. That yeah, it's just yeah. that they decide, and I disagree in the sense of uh, the the background of Dollar Hide that. And as well, the background of Will, I think that it's hinted uh, in the movie that Will also had a very troubling childhood. Yeah, when, I, and uh, to, be fair, to, Dollar High. to be fair, Will is more developed as well in the book. I, I think part of that problem, and we'll get to it later, is um, the performance of Will. I, I think that William Peterson is a man with a limited range. <laughs> but if you put him in the right movie or in the right show, yeah, he's perfect for it. I think he's perfect in this movie. For this movie, uh, sitting inside this movie, the same way that he's perfect in To Live and Die in LA that you haven't seen, that might mm. be a future pick. Ooh. Equally sporting short shorts. Um, oh my god, I wrote that down whenever I was watching it at the very, very end, whenever they're on the beach, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, uh, but even in Break CSI, that if you, <clears throat> if you put him in the, right, in the right character, I think that he's really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the <clears throat> show, but... Um, I think that as well, stylistically, uh, the I think that the two directors nowadays they owe the most for to this movie in particular, uh, but Michael Mann in general mm. is uh, Christopher Nolan yeah, and David yeah. Fincher. Yeah, I was gonna say Fincher. David Fincher is a much more cerebral director than yeah. uh, Michael Mann, but I think the Heat in particular it would be it'd be higher to argue. Maybe Goodfellas would be the only argument for a better American movie of the nineties. Yeah. But uh, Manhunter is not as good as he, but it's very close, I think, especially because it has this... <laughs> oh, good God, no. I think that it has this demented kind of... Like, you could tell the uh, the coke from Miami Vice hasn't worn off yet. Oh, my yet. God. I thought about Miami Vice so much while watching this for numerous reasons. I haven't seen it in years, and I would love to actually watch it after having seen this. But um, I can still definitely maintain that it is not... <laughs> uh, these are not you know they're genetically close but they are not oh yeah like a heat is there's no flaws in heat heat is for what it is a perfect movie yeah it's three like and it's hard to talk about a movie that is three hours long there's no flaws heat is not three (coughs) hours long it is yeah is it yeah i sat through them on sunday (laughs) Uh, i can't confirm will and dollar hide in this movie yeah it's the moment when Crawford uh, goes to Will, what do you think of this man? And the Will says, I can sympathize for him when he was a kid because I can tell that he had a rough childhood, but I hate the man, let's say. And I think that it is him drawing from his own experience, uh, going back to the two sides of the coin that are throughout the movie. It is, And I think that it's the closest thing like Edward Norton is a fantastic actor, but he completely misreads who Will Graham is in Red Dragon, uh, the movie, not the book, obviously. 
And I do really like uh, Dancy's performance in... You do not think this is better than Hugh Dancy's performance? No, I don't think that it's better performance, but I find the, the, the character is more... Yeah, like if you put Hugh Dancy in this movie, it doesn't make it any better. It makes it worse because it doesn't fit the style of the movie. I think no, that but... the, the reason why his performance works mm-hmm. is because he's pretending to be a normal functioning human being. So the slightly stilted way that he acts, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if it is intentional or not. But Definitely it, not intentional. But it works in the sense that it feels like a person pretending to be a person. Yeah. And not, uh, not the opposite way around of a detective trying to just hunt yeah well that that's the whole idea of, of will graham is that you know he he is able to emphasize and able to identify with these killers because not just of his own personal experiences but because of like um is sort of like damaged psyche what's great about hugh dancy and obviously it does really only can only work within brian fuller's weird imagined imagination of of this character but at the same time just when you think about it just from like performance level that it, it's the whole thing of being almost like being unable to contain everything that's in his head because whenever he is on the job whenever you see will graham and he is you know basically fracturing his own mind more by yet again you know putting himself into the shoes of yet another incredibly fucked up individual that he almost the inability to kind of like contain all the the just the craziness that's going on in his head so that he has it's the manic little kind of yeah, but even in the context of Hannibal, the uh, it, the character in itself, it's completely different because when you sit down and you watch Hannibal, yeah, the beginning was crime of the week kind of scenarios. Yeah. So even within the first yeah, season, yeah, that was the flaw of the first season. Yeah, but even within the first season, he has to get into the mind of six or seven serial killers, and then it, it exponentially grows throughout the seasons. Yeah. Well, in this case, is somebody that was able to in a way, shut that side of the world out completely when yeah. you encounter him the first time. And when he goes back on it, it's not, I don't think that is as gimmicky as Hannibal can be. I think it works completely. I'm not dissing the show because yeah, I, yeah, I, I really mean, like yeah. it. <laughs> but I think in the context of this movie, it works far better than if it was a take similar to the TV show, I think, for example, the biggest issue with the Red Dragon movie, the the one with Anthony Hopkins as well, is that how they shoehorn a lot of scenes with Anthony Hopkins just because he's played Hannibal a couple of times. Yeah, and they his really presence, badly, his, <clears throat> yeah. they really that, that first... badly make him look younger because it's meant yeah, to take meant to, yeah, yeah. This is obviously before 10 Science years of the after Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you that um, Will Graham doesn't work in Red Dragon either, um, especially because they rely, like in relation to Anthony Hopkins, and poor Edward Norton, he's trying his best, but they rely on like um, flashbacks to when he originally discovers that he is that Hannibal is the killer. I think where this film is much more powerful, and it's one of the probably my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes within this film is when he's in the supermarket and he talks to his son, where his son is 
not brilliantly played by that child when he's asking him about it's a this very point, 80s kids <clears throat> performance yeah, it does at this point um obviously the whole hannibal thing has only been alluded to and i think at this point he has gone and seen him hasn't he yeah yeah so and he's asking him like we you know what, what happened and he, he you know just that is probably the best of his performance within that movie because if it, it, it manages to capture despite him talking in a very you know him talking in this calm voice at the at the level you talk to a child but obviously describing horrific events and i think it's a really well judged really interesting scene with and i think and- that it was also a very good decision in the in the way of uh, dumbing down hannibal's crime yeah, because it, it, in this movie is just described that he's killing girls in a in the university that Hannibal teaches. Yeah, uh, it doesn't go into oh how much of a cannibal he is and all this. Yeah, it's and not it's, as um... yeah because otherwise we'd be like, why are we? And I think that is why Thomas Harris ended up doing Silence of the Lambs because it's obviously the the most interesting character within the book is Hannibal Lecter. He, he basically created Hannibal Lecter and then created everything around him. Basically, I'm fairly sure that he originally came up with the idea of Hannibal Lecter and then started with this kind of um, prequel almost. And then because I think it, I I prefer in this film that you see so much less of Hannibal. Like he's in. Because he is, a, he's he's important to the narrative, but not a main player, and he's there in the background to be almost like standing over um, Will Graham's shoulder. Yeah, as he's his far past. more effective that way. Yeah, yeah and I th- like whereas, I mean, obviously within Science of the Lambs, I think he's used it perfectly the right amount, but he's a much bigger character in that. But in Red Dragon, he's like shoehorned in, and in these weird scenes that just trying to replicate badly Science of the Lambs, and you're watching it just going. Ugh. But I think as well as that, it's interesting that you're coming at it, uh, watching it after watching so many renditions well, that's of what Hannibal. I'm saying. It's impossible, and I feel bad for the movie for that. that for I, that reason, I saw it. Uh, I saw Silence of the Lambs before. And then I saw this one, and then I saw Hannibal and Red Dragon as they came out, yeah. and then the the TV show. I haven't seen Hannibal Rising, but and have uh, no desire no, to do it. I don't think we need to <laughs> go into that. Uh, but I think that what this movie does that the others don't is that it leaves me intrigued about Hannibal. Yeah. Because he's used so sparingly, I think that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's much more effective. The, even watching Silence of the Lambs is like, yeah, that's well contained and everything. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like Hannibal became less interesting. The more well, that, the, I, problem I, the with, more you describe Hannibal, yeah. the less interesting it's he is. Because he's not, he's not realistic. I think as well that um, Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal in general has become so sanitized by just popular culture and you know however many parodies there have been in Silence of the Lambs and everything. It's you know it's it's just gotten to the point that you know Anthony Hopkins is not frightening not that I don't know if he was ever really that frightening he you know because he's too you know he's too suave he's too brilliant he's too like you know whereas this this is Brian Cox is 
brilliant like I mean these are my favourite parts of the film are, are just the, the very short little scenes when with... he's like on the telephone just yeah. going and it's... he's oh he's just he, he it's because it's such a different performance and I think that his performance in Zodiac is very similar to oh. this one and I'm like <laughs> we're what are these this... cookies <laughs> now Bob uh, but Sam Sam <laughs> Like the elongated, Take care of yourself, Sam. The, the elongated way that he speaks yeah. in Zodiac is very similar to this movie. But yeah, anyway, let's not bring Zodiac into this. Though. I think the Brian Cox. Well, they're completely different movies. I don't watch Zodiac no, for the, no, no. the punchiness that this movie has, but there's nothing in Zodiac that makes me my blood like rise as when Will is sitting in the airport and you're just watching his reflection and the music just comes up and you're like like 80s proper music your blood you know? rice oh it's so good i'm like yeah michael man <laughs> um but- just can we go back just uh, to will graham before i forget um uh, yeah i think obviously part of the problem with will graham as well um in adapting him from a book um is sort of uh rendering his like uh particular like method of genius on screen or like his inner monologue basically so obviously in this we have um him talking out loud and all that. you damn bastard <laughs> which is um well that's one way to do it um obviously uh from what i can remember uh edward norton does a bit of it but it's obviously you know nowhere near as dramatic um or he's obviously like he's a lot less um i think i think actually yeah part of my problem with um this performance as well is that um his anger comes his like damage basically his damage as a human being tends to just come out in these like bursts of like shouting or bursts of like you know literally where he's just screaming at him he's in a tree and he's just screaming yeah you bastard you bastard you know it's, it's just it's it's like parody and it totally and then when you because there are like that oh, scene but I like mentioned the, the shot when like he just before when he's <laughs> going back when he's going back into the forest uh, <laughs> like walking backwards <laughs> looking at the house where the crime occurred and the music is kicking in it's it's just good filmmaking it's robust good filmmaking and um, I think that yeah like the shouting yeah, I'm not going to say that it's the greatest performance of all time. As I say, William... No, but even the decision to have him... But I think... Could that, anyone have pulled that off? I, I don't know. I, I don't think that it, it, the idea is, is particularly... As well, You're I think giving that, this such a free pass. <laughs> well, like, it's it's a movie that I, uh, I really like. And it's a movie that I think that there are flaws to it. It's not perfect, yeah, like I, I said know, to him. Yeah. But... Everything that is really good in the movie carries all the minor flaws that I think that they're minor. I don't think that there's any major issue with the movie, especially in the context of the time that it was made. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And no, like... of the, the shoutiness is that of the Will Graham uh, versions, mm. I think this is, in a way, storytelling-wise, the best. Purely because he doesn't have this mystical power of being able to enter the head of the serial killer. Yeah. What he does is use that to guide him in his deductions as a detective. And I think that is a far more effective way of dealing with the character than uh, 
than let's say well the hyper stylistic kind of recreations that they have in hannibal well yeah but like hannibal <laughs> is not set in the real world it's no. set in like Brian this Fuller's yeah. mind. <laughs> and the not to but it's not bad like jesus like in the season two when it, it fucking in the last episode <laughs> when uh when will goes oh where's jack he's in the pantry <laughs> It's my one of my favorite moments ever. Matt Mikkelsen is the best Hannibal, like hands oh, down. Oh God, he is amazing. But again, he has a lot more time with the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but even uh, if you think about this movie, like in the context of the, geez, that scene where he jumps out the window and it cuts from oh, real time to slow Jesus motion Christ. to yeah, they, real time. They shot, to it, sl- they shot that I think in about ten different frame rates. Yeah, and it's now after the fucking matrix and all of these other movies it doesn't seem as revolutionary but the way that like i still get this fucking my heart starts beating faster let's say when it when it happens because not only it's not in the story sense even because like most mystery (laughs) movies by the time that you find the uh, you're you're in the final confrontation. Like the wheels have fallen off the <laughs> of the wagon. Like uh, I, there's no Zodiac. Probably is the only movie that 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 doesn't happen. Yeah, but Zodiac, like <laughs> and all the presidents, man. Those are the only two movies. Yeah, that but I've seen. that's because they're open ended and to their strength. Like there's nothing. Like, <laughs> You you don't watch Zodiac to, you know. There's no guy crashing the the, no, the police never, car because they never, turn off the lights. You never at any moment in Zodiac feel that you're it's going to end. Just the way that film is made, you never feel like it's going to end in some big dramatic, you know, shootout in a motel. Yeah, like but if you compare it to a um, more normal, let's say, yeah, n- normal mystery, Zodiac is not a good example. The, even the first season of True Detective and every every other big mystery movie, let's say, even Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. The 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 good uh, ending of Silence of the Lambs is the the side of of Hannibal, not the Wild Bill stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but at the at the same time, that entire sequence where she's in the house is very well done. Yeah, but like Jonathan Demme's best movie by far is Rachel getting married. It's not. It's not <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. I think I think that 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 whole sequence, despite the fact that it is going by a very predictable narrative, is I think that scene when she's in the basement is incredibly. I find that very unsettling. Like every time I watch it, um, and that that's a film as well that man, that kicks into the unsettling from the opening scene. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Silence of the Lambs. Um, the, the the other thing in this movie that I uh, really enjoyed is the 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 burst of actual procedural like when they have the note that they find in Hannibal's cell yeah and they had like two hours to do all the treatments and they're literally <laughs> they, running from one room Red to Dragon, the other I swear to God Red Dragon manages to do an awful lot of the procedural stuff better and by that's by like a terrible director I just I like because that. It, the, the tenseness of that, where they have to get it back in time, I think, despite saying earlier that it's better that they, we see less of Hannibal, in Red Dragon, it cuts back too much, but to Hannibal, obviously getting suspicious. And the way the whole that whole sequence is laid out is more tense than it is 
in this i i sometimes i, I feel like it the... works better in this just to go back in that because yeah. of what they find in the message because you don't know what hannibal's reaction was and the the little thing that they had that he puts in the personal ads yeah so when they go like oh what's gonna be his response that they they block it and because you don't know if hannibal is suspicious or not mm. you don't know what is the correct answer let's say of yeah. running it or not and i think that that works very well in this movie that part and i think that it is the the birth of the procedural kind of thing <laughs> and because like if you see csi it's basically an hour stretching out that scene <laughs> per episode yeah or criminal minds are numerous but, other uh, yeah, but, ncis etc etc there's no like young lady found in a golf course in this movie <laughs> no just an entire family the the uh, the other thing that called back to me uh watching this movie in the sense of the how dollahide uh videotapes the the murders nightcrawler yeah yeah that no the, the opening even the architecture scene, the opening scene of whenever and the and the color palette to a certain extent although i'm sorry robert elswood better dp but anyways um but the opening scene whenever the, with the flashlight walking up the stairs like the architecture of that house and the way that shot with the lights and the bedroom and the blood everywhere it's so i thought nightcrawler immediately and then kept thinking nightcrawler the whole way through it and obviously like I you can very much see the influence of Michael Mann on Nightcrawler, and I love when uh, he yeah more collateral than anything else like LA at night, and I think well that, yeah, but um, and but like whenever you move away from um, well, I think actually they're comparable as well because uh, Collateral managed to make LA look different, and so does Nightcrawler, considering LA being a like incredibly overshot location uh, michael mann should sprawl like nobody's business yeah, even yeah. in this like the helicopter shots and everything <laughs> it's just amazing i love when he fucking uh, will is talking to himself and he realizes <laughs> that he has to <laughs> fingerprint the eyelids it's like you touch her tie didn't you you took off your gloves you bastard uh, couldn't be more american he, like william <laughs> peterson has the voice of an englishman trying to do an american accent it doesn't sound natural to him even though he's, he's american just, he has this weird kind of soft it, it, it's like i can't even describe it it's such a strange voice and like, yeah it, like I don't know, the man has such a weird posture as well. Like it, it's, he is this kind of thing where you have no idea what's performance, like, or what he's actually doing on purpose to try and create a character, and what is just him being an, a, an odd... Uh, like it, it's it's really hard to tell exactly what is going on in that man's but, head but that's why i like his performance in this uh, movie yeah i know but it doesn't it just i don't know it, it's, it's the same way, way uh it, like herzog using bruno s for her movies like the the poor guy was uh had mental issues and everything and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you don't know it's just what is performance and what is that what a reference oh my god per peterson like <laughs> Like, I'm not saying that he has uh, uh, I did learning read, difficulties I, or anything. Difficulties. I did read a thing. <laughs> turned into Herzog now. I did read a thing, though, where um, uh, all the his subsequent, or, like, the 
performances he did quite soon after this that he had a real problem getting out of the mindset of Will Graham so I think he did actually do quite a lot of prep as well he went in and, and went around with FBI yeah agents yeah it's and... a it's one of the first movies that they had so much access yeah and uh, well, Thomas t- Noonan yeah. the guy that plays the tooth fairy in this movie uh who I find really creepy oh god yeah yeah um he... yeah much more effective actually than Voldemort which I find yeah, quite... really <laughs> which I find quite surprising uh well like I think it's uh he's a, good, he's a very creepy actor though yeah but uh, he's um the the entire he went full method in it because he was gonna do the research oh he isolated himself didn't he yeah yeah and apparently he sat in his uh trailer in the dark by himself and once he turned on the light and michael mann was just sitting there he's like what the (laughs) hell (laughs) see that's a david fincher move where do you think fincher learned all these things (laughs) but um uh, I think that he went method. He's not really a method actor. He just mm. went method because he couldn't bear with the research. So the yeah. only way that he could manage to to get himself bumped up in that way. But I think that all of the killers that are not Hannibal, yeah, he's the most effective of all the other actors. And I think in particular because you can agree feel, with that. you feel like the tragedy of him without yeah. the backstory. The that's why I didn't like Red Dragon as well because Ray Fiennes is like too much of a character. Oh, I really yeah, like that too, this I, comes in that, late. I honestly think that there there is a movie to be made taken taking taken <laughs> taking certain aspects from each Liam one. Mason just shows like, up. Yeah, <laughs> taking certain aspects because oh, I don't think neither film is, is perfect. Like copy and, and paste. This is obviously a significantly better film than red dragon is but at the same time red dragon is doing things better than this is and i think there is some kind of mix between the two in uh, all aspects but especially in relation to dolorite because he is such an important character and he is the most interesting character within this storyline oh just when he goes through the poster when he's going around the the house i did like that actually within um because they really played out the actual red dragon element of it in this which is good because despite the fact that i i like that ray fines gets more screen time there's too much um of his of the 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 red dragon and the tattoo and everything it's too much i think originally they were gonna have a tattoo on um noonan but um they decided that it was just it was too playing too much on the kind of mythology of it or whatever that it was um which is a really good decision because i much prefer that he lives in a like weird miami vice style condo than like the house in red dragon is just ridiculous and i i really like his uh interaction and performance with john allen and john allen is good in everything that she does like she is one of those actresses or female actors yeah um, she is great yeah that they're like i haven't seen her doing a bad performance yeah. I've seen her do bad movies, but I've never <laughs> seen her do a bad performance. These are very good TV shows as well. Like, she turns up on a lot of different things. Yeah, and I, I think it's... Even, like, her blindness is not overdone. Yeah. That it, in, uh, in the Red Dragon movie, mm. I, I think it's... Uh, it's saved by her performance, Emily Watson though, is just going around, like... The tiger scene, though, yeah. in this is outrageous, though. Oh, it's so good. Oh, no, really? Oh, God, I really hated that. I was like, because she's in it so little and she's so great that I was just like, oh, no. No, but it's exactly what the the character, it's not a moment for her specifically. It's a dollar hide moment because it's like the the lonely heart. I get the point of it, but it's just. Am I mansplaining? But it's just outrageous. (laughs) Oh, but it's so good. (laughs) But it's so good. I, I, I think that it's. It, it is not a movie 
much like Hannibal, it's not a movie set in the real world. No. It's set in Michael Mann's head. Well, yes. And let's, I let's... like Michael Mann's head. Yeah, you're right in that this... <laughs> you know, his films really do exist within his own weird, like, dreamscape of a head, whereby colours need to be that pronounced in order to evoke certain emotions. Like, where, like <laughs> all the scenes of, like... um of uh, Graham with his wife and the like the blue lighting and the moon and it's everything so good. It's, oh god it's awful uh, like it's just it's there just, is there is no subtlety within this and like, no 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 like that's like, what I'm saying that it's like pure not, pulpy uh, yeah but uh, no it's it's not that it's pulpy it's that it's like 80s up to 11 like and and, and uh, just the slow motion actually side note the bit whenever um, he goes to meet your man and he tackles him and the guy's like after like how like I don't know about 20 seconds of slow motion and um, Will Graham just gets up and leaves and your man's in the ground he's like what are you guys in slow motion? I just got mugged. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. I laughed at that an awful lot but um, it, yeah. But even like it's very the zooms and the star and the silhouettes. Oh, like, I, and even the framing and everything. And I think that it it is kind of, it's the more... The framing is very interesting. I like it, yeah. And I think that it's, uh, it partly is because you're watching it in a modern yeah, context. Yeah, I, I will completely accept that. But uh, if you think of it, like, imagine sitting in the theater and watching that in the 80s when... Yeah, 86 as well. It's like mid-80s. It's yeah, the, you, you haven't seen... It's like, like watching the, Blade Runner for the first time. It's like... Imagine that your idea of a procedure is the, know, the French Runner connection. Is much better than this. Yeah. Imagine your idea of a procedure is French connection. You sit down and you start watching my hunter. Like your mind would have been blown. The, the, yeah, the, completely. The like you compare this even you're to... sitting there after uh, even watching... Collateral and stuff yeah, like I will that. That is so more blows to the wall. Concede that my modern mind is tainted, completely. But you know that's just the way it is. So look through it, Orla. <laughs> um, yeah, like I completely agree with you. And like this, like this film is important because it is at but, the forefront of the of the modern idea of the procedural. But I think that it works still to this day, and I disagree that it's dated and just an eighties thing. Because the style works within itself. You could, I think that we could watch this movie in about 20, 30 years. And if you didn't know anything about 80s movies. Yeah. Like tropes of 80s movies. It wouldn't feel intrusive. Because the, there's, I think that there's a logic to the style. That it's consistent throughout the movie. It is consistent. And I think and that... Incredibly bright. And incredibly pristine. Like... The amount of white rooms that there are. Like, there is not a room in Quantico that is as, like, white as that room that they're doing. Oh, yeah, it's a... <laughs> And it, it's not even... It's, like, it's so funny because, like, the lighting in those scenes as well is, like... It's it's bright in a fluorescent way, but it's not, like... It, it's, it's brighter than any fluorescence you've ever seen. It's, like, white light. You know, it, it, yeah, the, those scenes are just odd. Not or even when he's way. running away from... Oh, the, God, I laughed so hard. Like he starts going Jesus down Christ. and down. It's like watch- a pinball machine. I was watching it going, how long is this going to last? And I was like, this is going to end with him, like, standing and then going to a close-up of his face. And I just had to sit there and wait for, like, four minutes for it to finally get there. It was more like 20 <laughs> seconds. Or well, it felt a lot longer. I was like, how long is he going to run for? And I was like, why is he running? I was like, is he afraid? Does he have an idea? 
fuck? And after how great the scene preceding it is, I was just like, what? Oh, yeah, but like, uh, well, that is a bit weird, but the architecture yeah. is so good. Uh, <laughs> the, the main flaw in the movie is, I think it's uh, Will and Crawford in particularly how they're done. I think that it's... Crawford m- is a very small character. Yeah, but then this Farina always makes a good... Uh, yeah, he's fine. He's very he's expressive. In. His face is fantastic. And his voice and everything. Yeah. But I think it's how the portrayal of the other police forces are played. Just the fact that they're so incompetent compared to that's a to That's a real trope of that genre, though. Yeah, and I think... Not that, just procedural, but like serial killer cinema. Well, like uh, anything that is funded by the FBI, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but I think that it would have worked much better that if they went in and the guys are not... They missed out things, but they're not absolutely feckless. And like Jesus, even the fucking policeman cr- crashes the car when they decide to go lights out. I was watching out. it, and I was like, "What?" Like it was the same thing that you see in the Science of the Lambs as well. That you know, like when they go in and they're just they're hicks. You know, they have no and like this is. Uh, it's just it's the same thing that you see within like you, you see it less now and it's become almost like self-reflexive now and things like um criminal minds where they constantly comment on the fact that the police force is like you know hates the fbi like hates the phoebes or whatever but like back then it was just this new idea of like the profiler and the fbi agent was becoming so like um popular that completely to the like detriment of um, the portrayal of the poor police officers the people who generally catch serial killers i am though a sucker for 80s movies like 80s movies that don't hide being 80s movies yeah and uh, See, i'm not but like even so this, but it's not it's not a genre i love because it just came and ruined everything that the 70s did so oh, but it, it I think that the excess went done right. The problem is that there is so many bad 80s movies that that it gives a bad name for the decade, the same way as synth pop. That you listen to, (laughs) like, you know, like cinema and everything became very artificial in the 80s. Yeah. But when it works, it is like a a fucking George Michael song or something, you know? It's just (laughs) absolute chewing gum, but it's good good chewing them just what you need um, <laughs> i i obviously really like the genre and it doesn't uh, with, i think that you're putting your expectations in the movie that yeah totally, came out before totally. any of those expectations that, that's what i'm out. saying is that like it, because it, this it, is the first one i know yeah this is the first incarnation of the thomas harris universe like but, i just but, like saying thomas harris universe, but it, sorry come on just, you wouldn't, it distracts me it just did it you ever imagine me. that you're gonna watch a movie about a serial killer that starts and ends with a father and son talking about turtles <laughs> Literally opens and ends with the the turtle business. <laughs> All including short shorts. Uh, I knew that picking this movie will lead to down the <laughs> rabbit hole of a long conversation. Um, uh, but Orla, what was your favorite thing about the movie? Um, probably, I really, really like, um, yeah, probably Brian Cox. Like, he, he elevates this movie out of its sort of ridiculous 80s scenario like he's just and even like i think even um uh like graham like his performance and that is really well done and what i like about it as well is that it's so different it's such a different take to like the silence of the lambs and how 
Um, not that I think Silence of the Lambs is ultimately better, but this is a really interesting take on that kind of scenario where with the the killer and the and the sort of the, the interrogation that's never really an interrogation because they can never one up each other entirely. Yeah, and but- like the and his performance is just. It's just like I I think that his performance and and his scenes and even just the scene when he he just he dominates the frame like he just I think so... as well it's uh, something that um um I heard actually in uh, in script notes the screenwriter mm. podcast that uh, I hear is that problem with a lot of movies is that when you they portray uh, a a criminal of any kind yeah it, it's like when they're doing something that is criminal. Or that it's within their level of uh, action. Yeah. It, it's treated like it is something really weird and bizarre. And the actor is like, really, look what I'm doing. And that's something that uh, Anthony Hawkins does. That is like, look how evil I am. And Brian Cox is like, everything is matter of fact. It's like, I'm just, yeah. this is me. It's like, he takes out the phone and he's just there. literally you can imagine him doing the same if he was in an office like that's his job my job is being a psychopath (laughs) it's not that he's no in no way intimidating but i find it way more disturbing because it's fascinating no i find it way more intimidating and disturbing uh, when somebody is so matter of fact and being evil if you're playing evil it becomes like no, saying that Anthony Hopkins' performance is bad. It's just comparing them. Uh, yeah, it actually when that you this talk is about my, um, the phone, it made me think a lot of um, New Country for Old Men. Yeah. actually, and and just um, I wonder was that an influence, um, and just how he sits and when the blood is going out and he just puts his feet up and he's just there, you know, and it, it's his complete matter of fact evilness as yeah. well like it's it's just and and but there's at the same time it's very measured he's not it's just complete you know there's no carelessness completely measured under control completely yeah. what i think as well of brian cox doing like is that it really gives a a an interesting balance between him and the tooth fairy that doesn't exist between wild bill and hannibal in the in silence of the lambs yeah you feel no connection between them like it yeah the hannibal you can't in this movie you can't imagine imagine him even uh have an increased heartbeat while committing a crime yeah well in silence of the lambs obviously he goes batshit crazy when uh, he's committing like killing people with the like with this big grin in his head like hitting people with the nightstick with the mm. the billy clubs it works and stuff. within that film though. yeah it works but i mean the it works within this movie that is the fact that you have one person that you can't imagine ever like losing his cool yeah uh, he's like the most feared serial killer yeah and then this other person that has no control on his emotions yeah and i think that that duality is probably my favorite thing in the movie okay uh, that's good because I, I was about to ask you uh that in the style but <laughs> that was a uh, manhunter um <laughs> a film that orla kind of like uh i Still haven't gotten how much or how bad. Out of five stars, how much would you rate it? Three. Three, okay. <laughs> the three apples out of five apples. Uh, for Orla, it would be a four apple movie for me. Four and a half apple. I took a bite. Uh, um, next week's film is Orla's 
choice. Uh-huh. No, she's not picking between her two children. Uh, it's Orla's pick. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Orla, what's your your pick? Uh, Persepolis. We're back to animation. Uh, Norla, uh, how can listeners find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at The Rec Game or on Facebook, The Recommendation Game. Or if they want to talk to us, um, they can email us at therecommendationgame at gmail.com. Cool. Uh, I was Ricardo Deacon, surprisingly still alive, thanks to yeah. the miracles of modern medicine. <laughs> uh, I was Orla McGinnis. And thank you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>